Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of the Haunted Carnival. It's me, your host, Diana Stack, and Quentin. Hello, Quentin. Hi, everyone. It's me, Quentin Montaigne, Lord of the Insane. You would laugh because I'm, I'm, I'm literally walking through my kitchen, sniffing the air. I was just telling Diana why we were, you know, waiting to start. Lately, I keep smelling cigarette smoke in my house, and I don't smoke. Hmm. Walter doesn't smoke. But it'll smell like, and it'll just be located in one spot. Like right now, it's somewhere in the kitchen. As I'm walking through a few times, I keep smelling it. Interesting. It's like walking through Gettysburg smelling tobacco. Yeah. Very interesting. So, we're all curled up tonight with glasses of chocolate wine, talking Mm. about frighteningly uh, farmland. Yes. Actually, it's going to be about frightening farmland America, rural America, rural areas of America um, that have seen their share of hauntings. And we're going to hopefully thrill and chill you tonight. And uh, really quickly, um, Quentin, didn't you have a weird episode on your doorbell last night? I did, and I'm fighting with the computer because the chat room isn't showing up for me. Um, I did. It was uh, yesterday morning. Walter had gone to the dentist. And um, I don't have a front doorbell. Like, the wire is somewhere in the wall, but there's no doorbell on there. Um, the original owners at some point took it off. But they kept the back doorbell, and I don't know why. So I did rewire the doorbell, which is very simple. You just switch wire A to, you know, to, to which spot you want it to, to do the double ding for the back door. Um, but anyway... I was in bed. It was a few minutes past 10, so I knew Walter was at work. And by that time in the morning, I'm waking up, so I wasn't in a dead sleep. 
And suddenly I hear, and if you're familiar with doorbells, it's a, it's a magnetic system when you hit it. The, the, the little dinger inside will hit one note, but when you press the button, ching, and when you release the button, it'll fly back up and hit the other note, dong. So that's what I hear. I hear ding, dong, like someone was holding in mm-hmm. the button. And Interesting. So I jumped up, and I thought, I knew that uh, someone was sending me a birthday package, and it's been running, and it was late, you know, and she said, well, don't, you know, don't worry, it should be there any day now. Um, so what I did was, I thought, oh, I bet you they saw Walter leave or something. So they just brought the package to the back door, and they're ringing the doorbell just in case, you know, something like that. So I fling open the front curtain. There's no one there. I tot over to the back door. There's nobody there. I look around. I look up and down the street and in the driveway. There's nobody there. I mean, so had someone come by, and no one would come to my back door, because you actually have to come in my backyard to come to my back door, you know. And you Interesting. Come around the house. So if someone actually did, there would be no way to get back out to the road and far enough away from me in that short amount of time. So somebody was ringing my doorbell. And I'll tell you, hopefully my friend, uh, my one friend, Jay, I hope he calls soon because uh, I haven't heard from him lately. And he, he is on a medication, like a life-sustaining medication. Oh, no. So you think it might be? Well, he told me that the doctor had, had forgotten to call in his medication and it had been two mm-hmm. days. And I told him, I said, well, you better call the doctor. And that was the last time I spoke to him. And whenever Jay would visit my house, he's the one who taught me how the magnetics on a doorbell work, you know, yeah. what makes it go ding and what makes it go dong. So whenever mm-hmm. he would visit my house in Pennsylvania, I always knew it was him at the door when he rang because he'd hold the button. So you'd hear ding, and then he'd wait a few seconds and you'd hear dong. And he goes, and he, one time he explained to me, he goes, yeah, if you just hold in the button, it won't release the trigger until you let go of the button again. So hmm. he's the only person that used to do that, and I haven't heard from him. Now, I'm sure he's fine because I think his sister would have messaged me on Facebook, but yeah. I'll have to give him a call. That's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. I hope he's okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, uh, a friend of ours has a, 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 told us an interesting doorbell story. Should I share it on the air? Not mentioning names. Sure. Yeah. It was, uh, well, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. He said it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and he and his then wife heard somebody ringing his doorbell. Gets up, goes to check, and he's good friends of ours, so I'm not going to mention anybody's names, but realize that there's nobody out there. Then go back to sleep, and then the doorbell starts ringing. So he's thinking that somebody's messing around with him. So he goes back out there, and there's nobody there. And he keeps looking around. And finally, as he, was it, as he goes back to the house, he realizes there's geckos. There was two, he, he realized that the ringing was because of two geckos that were mating directly on the doorbell. <laughs> oh. I was only doing a doggy style on the doorbell. <laughs> I kept ringing the doorbell. I, I kept ringing the doorbell. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. That is bad. What can you imagine? I see if someone rings my doorbell and I don't see them, I go out. I'm looking down because it might be, you know, it might be someone out of the hall that you can't see right away. So we... <laughs> anyway, the geckos were... The geckos were doing it. And they were pushing. They were like, bang, ding, dong, bang, ding, dong, bam, ding, dong, bam. You know, kind of that kind of stuff. 
And I think my dog has horrible gas. That's awful. My husband just walked her out, and I swear to God, she left the trail. Oof. Bad. But anyways, enough with weird scents and sounds in the house. Kayla, without further ado, let's get on to our show. Uh, tonight, our first haunted farmland comes from Tennessee. Now, I'm sure all of you out there have heard about the famous haunting, actually, the most famous haunting. So, this is the story of the Bell Witch of Tennessee. Now, a lot of you have seen the movie that was out, I think, a few years ago now called An American Haunting. And if you haven't seen it, I... I I encourage you to do so because it's an interesting story. Um, the story of the Bell Witch really never has, I mean, no one can say exactly what it was. There's so many different theories about what it was. But the the, the kind of the pitch they threw at it, they, the kind of way they presented it was interesting. Um, it was interesting because it was, um, you can actually see it. I mean, you can actually see something like that occurring and something like that being the effect. But anyways, a very interesting movie called An American Haunting, and it actually stars um, Donald Sutherland, which I think is an amazing actor, Sissy Spacek, great actress herself. I mean, the original Carrie, come on, can't beat it. But anyways, um, it did show one idea of the haunting. I'm sorry, my, my cat is like howling in the background here. Um, I don't know if you can hear that or not. He's just howling back here. His buddy just went out for a walk, so... When, when his buddy the dog leaves, you know, when Faith goes up on her walk, he is just devastated because he can't be with her. Well, okay, let's see here. The Bell Witch uh, is actually from the 19th century. Um, it is of the, uh, I believe the Adams family, yes. And <laughs> don't snap your fingers. Um, that's, I'm kind of aging myself there. No, I'm sorry. It's John Bell. John Bell, not Adams. Um, I'm doing this for my head here, folks. You have to excuse me. I had a very long day, and I probably should have things in front of me when I'm talking about them. It was John Bell. Um, and the the popular belief is that one of his neighbors, Kate, actually cursed him over a taxation or a, a loan issue. Uh, and the curse itself actually kind of focused around his younger daughter, Betsy. Now, there is different, uh, you know, reason. there's different people, different theories and, and, you know, speculations on what happened. Some people say that he was faking it, that she was faking it, that her boyfriend was actually putting it on to scare her current fiancé away because he wanted to marry her. Uh, so there's a lot of different speculations around the haunting, but evidently what would happen is people in the home would be pinched, hit, Objects would be thrown, supposedly there were voices, threatening voices. Animals would be uh, threatened. Um, There was instances, supposedly, of people being harmed, physically harmed, um, you know, assaulted in ways, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, The ground itself was supposedly haunted, cursed by the devil or a witch. Uh, So there was just a lot of speculation. And there's so many different accounts of reading uh, about the Bell Witch and uh, just a few of them uh, go check out. Is uh, One is called The Bell Witch of Tennessee. It's a website, and it includes the full text of an authenticated history of the famous Bell Witch. Again, that is a website called The Bell Witch of Tennessee. Um, really, really interesting website. I actually checked it out. 
uh, kind of goes into the history of not only the Bell Witch Haunting, but the Bell family itself. Um, I think any kind of family haunting, it really kind of does person well to study the family. You know, what kind of life do they lead? Especially in those days. In those days, I mean, the belief in the supernatural was so strong. Uh, especially in the 19th century. Um, you know, curses were never taken lightly. Curses and the effect of a person's mentality. Uh, I mean, the human mind is a wonderful, amazing thing. Uh, you know, if you're told something and you believe it strong enough, you can actually cause things to happen. Poltergeist has said to, you know, really become active around, you know, young teenagers going through puberty. And at that time, it, it, believed, it was also believed that that's what was occurring with Betsy. You know, she was at that age where she was going through puberty and everything else was happening. So a lot of it was said that the poltergeist, you know, itself could have been the result of the changes that she was going through. Um, as we know, a lot of poltergeist activity usually revolves around people and not necessarily places. Very, very interesting history there, the Bell Witch, though. Um, Quentin, have you read anything up or um, have anything to add about that? Um, I was under the impression that they believed that the, the Bell Witch haunting or curse, whatever it may be, um, I, I was under the impression that they were under the impression that the father might have been um, you know, sexually... Mm-hmm. Uh, We're saving that assaulting. for the movie. <laughs> what? Yes, that's actually what they portrayed in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, then I have seen that movie. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that the father is, you know, sexually mm-hmm. um, assaulting yeah. the girls or molesting yeah. the daughter, and so that, that's why they well, said that the poltergeist would be revolving around her. Well, and then they—I I believe that some believe that there was no poltergeist. It was the father was doing this, and mm-hmm. and in some cases, which we see today. Uh, daughters who are molested by their fathers often, when they recall it, don't see their fathers. They they see a mysterious person, or they they dub in someone else. I knew a girl who was molested by her father, and all her life said to me, you know, mm-hmm. that this man she didn't know did it. And then one day she had, you know, an aunt mm-hmm. sat down with her and was talking to her. Yeah. She said, you know, I've always wanted to talk to you about this. And she said about your father. And she said, my father didn't do that. She was, well, honey, we all we all know, you know, your mother told us and. And she honestly, she said it was like her world was crumbling in front of her eyes because she never remembered it that way. So I think they felt that the the father might have been doing this. The daughter, through natural processing, was deleting his face out of this or whatever. And then they feel that she might have... Yeah. So that it may have been completely normal. But then you look at it and think, if it really was a curse, curses don't always have to work so supernaturally. Right. You can curse someone, and by cursing them, you force perfectly natural things to happen. Mm-hmm. But that would well, not have happened without the curse. It's like a placebo effect. I can give you a Tic Tac and convince you it's an aspirin for your headache, and if you believe it or not, it will. It'll cure your headache. Back in those days, the 19th century, of course, in, as you well know, because um, that's your like forte there, uh, people back in the 19th century were very, very prone to believe anything spiritual or anything supernatural. It wasn't, it, it wasn't questioned as it is today. It was just, you know, if I said to you, if I walked by, I curse you, Quentin, uh, you know, for a bad acne, you know, you're going to go home believing. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to bad acne. You know what I'm saying? Back in those could, you, days, could you take that back, please? <laughs> I, re- 
I renounce my curse. Thank you. Quick, curse me to have my, my forehead lines go away. Quick, do it, do it. I curse you so your forehead lines go away. Thank you. God, I wish. What, what is it from the Golden Girls? When Sophia's sister puts a curse on her, she says, may your legs grow old and withered like the grapevine. And then she goes, may you be so lucky. <laughs> oh, I love Sophia. I know. But, uh, she was awesome. Okay. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think the Bell Witch is a fascinating study. I mean, just, I mean, for psychological research purposes, it's incredible. I mean, I think it has all all the goodies that any psychiatrist would like love to just delve into and rip apart, you know? I mean, that whole yes. family. You have to understand, I mean, you know, back in those days, I mean, and people, you know, don't understand that sexual, I don't, I don't, I don't think sexual boundaries back then, don't forget, a girl who starts puberty is ready to marry. So it's it's different. In a lot of those areas, a lot of those families out in farmlands, you know, a girl at 15 years old, it wasn't unusual to see her married. Well, you know, Um, the the farmland area, too, is a lot like mm -hmm. when you think of, like, kingdoms in Europe. Yeah. You know, where where you marry your daughter to the king of Spain's kids, so you expand both kingdoms. Exactly. Well, that's pretty much what the, the northeast farmland was like. You know, you wanted your daughter to marry the farmer next door's kid because someday... The, the, he will get joined. that farm and she will get this farm and that means their children will own twice as much land. Exactly. So it wasn't unusual to see those sexual those sexual boundaries crossed. Like it, today, we would never hear of it. You know, it would be um, just, you know, I mean, we know 15-year-olds are having sex today, but we don't encourage it. You know, it's it's nothing that we would ever have our daughter, oh, you need to go marry quick. You know, we would never think of that today. Um because we're more, and I'm not going to say educated. I think it's an incorrect term to use. It's not that we're more educated. I think we have more choices given us today, and I think that's what it is. I think I hate hearing people say, well, we're more educated today. No, we're not. We're simply given more choices. I mean, to say that people in those times well, were think. uneducated, you have to understand, too, what they had available to them, you know, I think they used it fully. And... For their time, I don't think they were un- necessarily uneducated. I think we're just, you know, given more choices so we don't see these things. But, yeah, molestation, um, things like that. I mean, they happened. It's not, unfortunately, it was not unheard of. And a young woman having no recourse to that, you know, a young lady, young girl, you know, what, what, what would you do? What kind of world would you create for yourself to protect yourself from these things? Well, you know, I, I feel today's society, we are they want us to mature slower. Mm-hmm. I mean, because in those days, you, you didn't have to go to The normal person did not go to college. Uh, mm-hmm. An eighth grade education was enough right. to get you a job. And a high school degree, like the, your further education, mm-hmm. up from ninth through twelfth grade, you that was enough to get you a very good job. Yes. And... Um, so basically what you ended up with was, you know, a, you know, you you didn't need to stay unmarried. You know, now it's encouraged that you stay unmarried because mm-hmm. they want you to go to college and they want you to set up your career first. Right. More choices. Whereas back then, what was the point of waiting? Right. 
Exactly. That goes to more choices. You have more choices today. Mm-hmm. You have more educational choices. You have more job choices. You have more lifestyle choices. Young girl can go off to New York City, find herself a job, explore life for a while. I mean, you would be seen as, un- as selfish back in those days. You know, you're you're supposed to, you know, marry into a wealthy family or another farm-owning family, like you said, produce heirs, babies, and that was your job as a woman. You were expected to do that as a woman. You know, a woman who didn't do that was looked down upon in society. She was frowned upon. You know, what kind of woman yeah. is she? She's a whore. A whore or a spinster. Either one. And either one. And both were shunned from society. Um, That's true. So I, I think it's just, I, I you know, I would love to delve in there and just be able to go back in time and do a study on it, you know, and just sit there with the family for about a month or two. <laughs> uh, so, Quentin, you said you had um, a story about haunted haunted farm here. We've got about, um, well, we've got about another, maybe 20 minutes here to go, maybe 15, 20 minutes to go to the show. So, um, so I wanted to cover uh, Remire's Hollow in Pennsylvania. Um, well, what I was going to talk about was... Um, where I come from, we had what was called the Wyoming Massacre, and you never hear about it, really. Uh, it was a Revolutionary War battle, and the reason you don't hear about it is because we lost that battle. Um, I lived in a valley. <laughs> I lived in a, we live in a valley there, and uh, they, the Indians uh, were, were very uh, largely active there. They sided with the British, um, and had a bone to pick with the, the colonists anyway, and were scalping them regularly anyway. But this big battle occurs where they, um, the colonists, or what, whatever you want to call them, go into this, this area, which is part of the valley, and a lot of them were saying, I feel like this is a trap, because the British had burned their fort, which was a signal usually that they, that they were leaving and destroying their fort so no one else could have it. But it was a trick, and they were hiding, and they waited for them to get down into the deep section, and then enclosed around them, and about seven-eighths of um, the colonists were killed. Um, and the, the Native Americans were also, um, um, they, were, they, would, they took prisoners and scalped them and then, or bashed their head off a rock with their Queen Esther was her name. Well, down on this, this farm area, it's all farmland along the a river, mm-hmm. and um, people who live there often will say that down by Queen Esther's rock, sometimes late, you know, on hot summer nights, because the, the battle actually happened on July 3rd, so a lot of the killings were happening on July 4th, which is just ironic. Um, uh, you could, um, they say that you can hear late at night a lot of times, you can, you can hear the Indian cries and, like, the drum beating and screams and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that coming from down by the river. Interesting. Now, my great, great, uh, great-great-grandmother. Uh, she used to tell stories, and of course I've seen these in, in writing, I didn't hear them in person, that she would actually tell stories of, um, you know, Indians raiding their house, blah, 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 yada, 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 and that they would hide out in the wheat fields and stuff like that. Well, uh, she also told stories of off, you know, in the woods, behind the farm, you know, in that old, you know, the old farmlands that are no longer farmlands, but um, she actually said that there was always stories. And this is in the 1700s, very early 1800s. There was ghost stories already of what was back there in the woods and 
And you, you know, um, she even said, as, as as an adult woman, she she knew that there was there was these witches that lived back behind the field back there. These there was these witches, mm-hmm. uh, and these and, and these witches were spotted. Now she never in detail told everything. I so wish she had, because those would be amazing stories of, you know, what they thought these witches were doing and who these witches were. Um, but there was these witches, and they conjured, and there was these spirits that would come out at night into the fields. So, I mean, it actually says, you know, my, um, what would be my great, one of her daughter-in-laws is, is retelling these stories, and she said, it was to the point where the grandchildren, I couldn't get them to sleep at night. She said that, you know, she would tell these horrific tales of, of what I'd they were. God, I'd love her. Oh, she could find my family. Oh, I know, I know. And you're thinking, I mean, she's telling these 1,700 stories of, you know, you know these things. And she claimed that these, these ghosts would come out of the woods at night. Guys, I, yeah. uh, I mean, I wish people from the area were able to live today and just, you know, Shake down yeah. all these young punks out there who think they know what it's about. Exactly. You know? yeah. Really, I mean, they got their iPods to send to sleep tonight. I remember getting stories, ghost stories, setting me to sleep. Awesome. I loved it. Yeah, it's what warps us into what we are today. I know. I love it. Okay. Um, actually, going from where Quentin's talking about, just south, actually way south of Pennsylvania, and I love Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is, I mean, I grew up in Connecticut, born and raised. I love, I'm a, I'm a diehard New Englander, and I will admit that. Um, the whole northeast section, but Pennsylvania has absolutely won a place in my heart. And I love the state. It's full of just beauty, stories, history. It's absolutely wonderful. And I had um, the great, great um, privilege of actually being able to go through the area of Ray Myers Hollow. I spent a good whole uh, day out there, actually. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, a lot thrown over. You really can't see too much, but um, it's a beautiful area, and you can just feel the history of it. And the story of Ray Myers Hollow has a lot to do with uh, powwow magic, which was um, Pennsylvania Dutch witchcraft. Uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, let me just reiterate, were basically Germanic people, not Dutch, um, just to get that through. Uh, but the Pennsylvania Dutch witchcraft um, was really, really prevalent. Um, I would say, you know, turn the century, 19th century, uh, the 19th century, you know, the uh, Victorian era, and up actually pretty much in that area, in the rural areas. Uh, I'm not sure how prevalent it is today because of modern medicines and stuff. But prior to modern medicine really having breakthroughs, it was still used in a lot of rural areas. Um, but anyways, the story uh, has to do with the name. Uh, John H. Blymeyer, uh, who was a powwow doctor. And uh, I'm just going to read you a little excerpt here uh, because it can probably tell it a lot better than I can. So I'm going to tell you guys a little story here. Let's see here. It says, John H. Blymeyer, a powwow doctor or a Pennsylvania Dutch witch, had for years been suffering from illness and bad luck. When another powwow doctor, Nellie Knoll, the river witch, the river witch of Marietta, told him he had come under the hex of a witch doctor by the name of Nelson D. Raymeyer. Blymeyer decided to retaliate by breaking into Raymeyer's home in search of his book of spells. Now, I should stop there. It was said that the only way you could 
take a spell off of you, a curse off of you, is to get the Powwow Practitioner's Book of Spells. You had to have the book to be able to remove the curse. So this is what he was trying to do. Noel had had also informed Blymeyer that burning the book or burying a lock of Raymeyer's hair would remove the hex. Upon arrival to his farmhouse in North Hopewell Township, they encountered Raymeyer himself. Blymeyer and his two young accomplices, John Curry and Wilbert Hess, murdered, mutilated, and then burned Raymeyer's body. The murder took place exactly one minute past midnight on November 28, 1928. They were unsuccessful in locating his copy of Long Lost Friend, however, which was named the textbook. Flymeyer felt the hex listed, though, when Ray Meyer died. In the trial that followed, the country was shocked to learn of the existence of 20th century witchcraft, especially in quiet York County, Pennsylvania. Raymeyer's house, house where he was murdered still stands on Raymeyer's Hollow Road. Many locals believe it to be haunted. Teenagers can usually be found down in the hollow, legend tripping. The property is currently undergoing approval for a National Historical Monument. It is currently owned and maintained by his great-grandson, Ricky Ebock. Now, I've actually been to the house, and honestly, it's a very normal-looking house, an old-looking house. If you were to drive by, you would never say, oh, look at that house, it must be haunted. It's really nothing specific-looking. Um, but the, you could almost feel the darkness in that area. It really does kind of cover it because of the, you know, just, just what this whole action did. Um, and it, if you really ever wanted to look into it, there's a movie out there. It's called Apprentice to Murder, and it's really interesting. I think at this point, you can, I'm not sure if you can, you can probably find it on DVD somewhere on Amazon or eBay. So as far as I know, at this point, it's only on VHS. Like I said, YouTube usually has your movies broken down and put up there. Um, but the movie itself is called Apprentice to Murder, and it starred Donald Sutherland. There again, Donald Sutherland. There's just so many creepy movies. Um, great film, though. It was really interesting. Of course, Hollywood added their own little bits and tales, uh, so you have to kind of look past all that. Um, also, novelist Brian Keene. Now, I've read Ghost Walk. Um, I have yet to read Dark Hollow, which I intend to do, but Brian Keene, K-E-E-N-E, actually wrote a, a book about going through the hollow, and it's called Ghost Walk, and it basically revolves around um, a haunted house, like an actual Halloween event, like a Halloween thing. Um, Really interesting, though. Excellent author. Knows how to tell a good ghost story. So I encourage you to look up Brian Keene, either Dark Dark Hollow from 2007 or Ghost Walk from 2008. Both incredible novels, really entertaining. You'll love it. Um, Again, the movie was Apprentice to Murder, uh, starring Donald Sutherland. So, uh, Quentin, I know you were born and raised in... um, the northern parts of Pennsylvania there, uh, close to the Poconos, correct? Uh, kind of. Okay, in the valley region there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what valley? Um, I was born in the Wyoming Valley. Okay, Okay, Wyoming Valley, yeah. Now, I've been to the Nescohoning Valley a lot, Nescohoning area, really a gorgeous area. Um, I think my favorite, out there, I think my favorite like that, towards that part of the Pokemon, it's probably uh, Jim Thorpe. I loved it. Yeah, I'm not too far from Jim Thorpe. Okay. Um, 
it's fun because, you know, out there was Hazleton is supposed to be like the really bad city out there. Um, well, actually, Hazleton um, is quite interesting. Um, like I was telling you, I knew the, the family who owned Angela Park. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the family who owned it, they're, they're, it's the same family who is the mayor, uh, Mr. Barletta. Mm-hmm. And they actually, at Temple University, have a class about Hazleton because Hazleton was the first city um, to officially ban Spanish from being spoken in their city. Really? Now, it's interesting they have because... a really big... Um, illegal immigration problem there. Really? Okay. And Mr. Barletta really put his foot down one day and banned wow. the language. It was fun because I remember going through there and the first time I said, you know, oh, this is, you know, really, oh, this, this, this town has a lot of bad sections. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you been to Bridgeport? <laughs> Nothing bad about Bridgeport. I'm just saying, you know, it's like going through, you know, Los Angeles and saying, you know, that, I don't know, like Rhode Island's a bad state compared to, like, you know, the area of Los Angeles. I don't know. But anyways, I love all of Pennsylvania, even Philadelphia. <laughs> Great Philly cheesesteaks there. But anyways. Uh, Philly really counts as part of Newark, I think. <laughs> Except for that one, like, historic street. Don't say that. Nothing wrong with Newark either. We don't offend anybody. I love I love Jersey. Okay. <laughs> Jersey's off not Jersey Shore. That whole crap on TV needs to go away. Sorry, Snooky. You lost me. Stop breeding. Anyways. Oh, God, I know. Oh, God. She's a disgrace to Italians. I cursed her childhood's intelligence and education. (laughs) Yes. May she grow to go away from Snooki. I curse her child with ridiculously flat hair and pale skin. No, we got to wish her kid good so she can get away. You know, go somewhere else yeah. and not have to deal with that crap. But but but, but Snooky is orange with really tall hair, so the kid will well, be yeah, the exact opposite. Well, yeah, well because that's what happens when you tan the slime when you're freaking Italian. Stupid. Anyways, enough from Jersey Shore. But uh, yeah, so um, some interesting stories there. Since you want to go look them up, actually, it's interesting because as you may or may not know out there, uh, I spent the last well, you know, do not count last year since I've been in Mississippi. Before I moved to Mississippi, I spent the prior 10 years, 11 years actually, as um, a residential real estate appraiser. And pretty much as an appraiser, we are also title searchers. Um, you do both jobs as an appraiser. And as any appraiser will tell you, we spend just as much time in the deed title room as any title searcher does. And I remember doing an appraisal, and I, I'm not going to mention the address only because I can't. Um, I did this as an appraisal as an appraiser, so I'm bound under privacy laws. I did a house out in Norfolk, Connecticut, that's all I will say. And I remember it was an old, old bed and breakfast. I mean, but then again, so is 20,000 houses out in that area. I mean, it's pretty common that, you know, a lot of the big houses were. This is just one of them. And I remember walking into doing the appraisal, and I remember the woman, I guess they had just, you know, moved in about a year or so before, and they're looking to, you know, for whatever reason, they were getting the appraisal done. I remember walking in, and you just, you know those houses you walk, and you just know there's something, like, right behind you the whole time you're there? Mm-hmm. And I had this feeling there. I just I just was not comfortable in the home. And I noticed in every room I was in, they had a good amount of rooms. I would say there was probably a good, you know, 12 rooms. And in every room she either had a radio on or a TV on. But there was noise in every room. 
and uh, lights were on, daytime. Anything that could have possibly been dark, but there's lights on. I figured, well, she turned the lights on for me. And, you know, you just I've done so many praises I couldn't, because my specialty was historic homes and antique, antique houses. So I did all the antique historical appraisals, a lot of them that came you know, to, the, uh, to my office. I took them all. Anyways, uh, so I remember, you know, going through this house and noticing that there was something on in every room. And I found her back in the kitchen. I was just asking some questions about the house itself. And I, you know, I said, screw it. I'm going to take a leap. And I said, can I ask you something? She goes, sure. I said, I noticed you have a TV or radio on every room. She goes, oh. I said, it's okay. I said, can you tell me why? She goes, well, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. I said, I'll bet you I won't. And I think by that she kind of took where I knew, she knew I wasn't going to think she was crazy. She goes, I swear there are kids talking and yelling and screaming and laughing in this house. I'm like, no, you're not far off. I was like, something was following me around the house the whole time I was doing the appraisal. And you just knew it. It was something little and tiny running around after you. And uh, she looked at me and she was like, you believe me? Creepiest, one of the creepiest houses I had ever been in. And I went to the deed room. I was doing my researching. I think I spent a good hour and a half there just going through all the deeds and the title transfers. And at one point, um, I'm probably giving stuff away by this, but at one point it was actually used um, as a makeshift children's hospital, believe it or not, like a children's home, like a transitional type of home, I guess, for that time period uh, back in the um, early 1800s. Very interesting, though, huh? Oh. Mhm. I uh, I love that. That was a lot of the times it was just mundane, regular houses. But every once in a while, when you get that, and, you know, when you get the call, hey, you do antique homes or historic historic residences, I'm like, yeah, I absolutely do. And you would always kind of get that little drool dripping from your mouth because you knew if you were getting a really good historic home, I mean, it was going to be fun. And I enjoyed it because there, there's always interesting, especially in Connecticut. Come on. Let me tell you, trying to find a historic home in West Michigan is... is, Ditto. Yeah. I mean, you could could find them better in Antarctica. (laughs) Hey, those penguins will get pissed off at you in Antarctica. Watch out. Penguins are no joke. (laughs) We just watched a movie about angry penguins, didn't we? Penguins were getting people... Oh, yeah, that 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 movie about the penguin sink and the uh, they sunk the sub- submarine, didn't they? They said the penguins threw. Uh, I'm talking about husband guys, sorry. The penguins they shot the torpedoes because they were getting all upset because they were at. You said they were at the torpedoes were coming from Antarctica. I said the penguins are all upset. They're pissed off. <laughs> we don't want to poop in your glass cages and have people watch us burp. We are tired of you pooping. I'm sorry, that was me. I probably should have been drinking tonight, but I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> anyways, folks, that is our show tonight. Um, we ended on such a great note. Sorry about that, but hopefully we entertained you at least. Um, don't forget, this Friday we have the Festival of Frights, uh, and that will be playing for you at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central on Block Talk Radio. Go to Diana Stack Live Studios. Our shows are listed below there. Again, that's Diana Stack Live Studios on Blog Talk Radio. 
and follow us. We'd love to have you guys follow us and check some of our shows out. Um, also, if you've got a show that you do on Block Talk, please stop by, visit us, let us know about it. You know, give a call, come in the chat room. We'd be happy to uh, you know promote your your show for you. Um, also, if you have any emails or questions, you can follow me on Facebook at Diana Stack Live on Facebook. That is Diana Stack Live on Facebook. It's a public page, so feel free to uh, leave questions, comments, remarks, emails. Right to that. Um, my email address is actually. Diana, uh, D-Stack, I'm sorry, dstackradio at gmail.com for anything about the show. It's dstackradio at gmail.com. Okay, Festival of Fight, Friday night, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. Um, also, folks, we have a new show starting next week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right here at Diana Stack Live Studios will be Marguerite's Kitchen Corner, and that is a half-hour cooking show uh, with Marguerite herself. Um, and she's a little Italian, but she's awesome, and she cooks incredible. Trust me, I've been eating her food for 39 years. I can tell you that the food is good. So anyways, um, I just aged myself. Crap, I meant 29 years, folks, 29 years. That's what I meant. But anyways, um, she will be doing her show Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, and that is Marguerite's uh, Kitchen Corner. So please check that out. Go see her. You'll get some great recipes, and they will not fail you. Um, and she'd love your chat, too. If you want to chat with her, she'd love it. Um, Quentin, tell me about your Monday show real quick. Well, Mondays, of course, is the Victorian Vale, and as you should know by now, it's all things Victorian. But special for the month of October, all month long we'll be doing the Victorian uh, Post-Mortem Macabre, is what we'll be calling yep. it. And we'll be discussing all different macabre things from the art of hair jewelry from the hair of corpses to uh, post-mortem photography. Mm. There, there are many, many different uh, uh, different uh, macabre things from the Victorian era that we will be covering. So that will last us right up until November. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have our Wednesday show. Which you were on today, or actually probably archiving, maybe. Um, yes, tonight's show, which is every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Central. Again, it's 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. The Haunted Carnival, oh, right here yes. at Diana Stecklife Studios. Monday's Victorian Vale is at 9 p.m. East and 8 p.m. Central. Yes. So I'm going to give a shout-out to all our archive listeners. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Um, again, uh, we appreciate you guys stopping by listening. Uh, we do take note, and you are the reason we keep doing this. So without further ado, I'd like to bid you all a good night. And Quentin? Good night, everyone. Thanks for coming. And if you are archiving right now, thanks for archiving. Uh, See you guys at the next show. Bye. Bye, everybody. Have a great evening.